Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Hey, we are at the halfway mark of our annual crowdfunding campaign. So it's four weeks, two episodes a week. This is episode four. And we are not quite halfway towards our goal of doing this investigative serialized podcast about what is happening in Thunder Bay. And I know that there are some people who don't care about that, that, that uh, it doesn't respond with them. It doesn't resonate when I talk about the high-minded ideals of Canada and the impact of our journalism, all of those things. No, there's a lot of people who listen to the show, maybe even most people who listen to the show, who this is just a show that they listen to. And some of those people are getting irritated with these crowdfunding messages. And I'm hearing stuff on Twitter and, e- and uh, via email, people saying, when is this guy going to stop begging so I can listen to the show again? And I just want to briefly uh, say, like, dude, I'm not begging. I'm busking. I'm going out in public and doing a show. And you can listen to it or not. And you can pay me for it or not. And I'm not saying that to guilt you, right? Like, I sometimes will stop and listen to a busker play music and not give them money. But this is what I want to say to you. If I were to stop for more than a minute and listen to a busker, like, if I were to listen to a busker for 30 or 40 minutes and then come back a month later or later that week and listen to him play for 30 or 40 minutes again, I would put a buck or maybe even five bucks into his guitar case just so I don't feel weird. Not to like help the holy cause of music or to keep arts in the city or the streets filled. No, just because it would be super uncomfortable for me to stand there listening to him perform for 30 minutes and then walk away. So really, I'm not begging you. I'm trying to make this less weird for you. This experience of listening to the show will be less weird and uncomfortable for you if you go to patreon.com 
slash Canada land and kick in a dollar a month, $4 a month and have a look at some of the rewards that we have. And that's all I'm going to say today. Thank you to all of our new patrons. Nahid Mustafa, CBC Southam Journalism Fellow at Massey College. Very fancy. So fancy. It's good to have you back. We're going to talk today about Quebec's fetishization and politicization of cloth, part 312. Also in Quebec, after the Weinstein effect is done with that province, will any man in Quebec still have a job? I don't know. We will talk about campus censorship, the Jordan Peterson doesn't care this time edition. We will talk about the radical Toronto imam who kind of, sort of, definitely isn't one. And I will talk about Casper mattresses, and this time it is not because they are paying me to. It's good to have you back. Thanks for having me. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Justin Finnegan, Marcus Smith, Hadil Hanif, Megan Hope, Nick Lachance, Natalie Rubeck, Peter McMurdy, and Ashley Martin. We asked Ashley why she decided to support Canada Land. Hi, I'm Ashley Martin. I'm a journalist. I write for the Regina Leader Post newspaper, and our newsroom has just been decimated. We have like five reporters right now, so it's been really hard lately. My one coworker, he sometimes says like, Jesse Brown should come here and see what this place is like, because I wonder what they would have to say about this. But yeah, I support Canada Land because I wanted to help financially support the work of other journalists, and I'm always curious to hear what you have to say about my employer, Post Media. And Nahid, this episode is brought to you by a brand new sponsor for us, CoinSquare. CoinSquare.io. I was told by a tech geek friend of mine, like, I don't know, 10 years ago, to buy a Bitcoin. And I think if I had taken that advice, I would now have $400,000. I still don't know what Bitcoins are. Bitcoin is part of the new digital age economy and Coinsquare.io is the Canadian place to buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Dash. And I can't tell you much more than that, except that this is a new kind of cryptocurrency. And uh, I think a lot of people don't get into it because they just don't know how. So that's what Coinsquare is there for. So if you're interested in learning more about blockchain technology and digital assets, if you've heard about Bitcoin, you've always wanted to invest but haven't figured out how, a safe way to do it, then you can visit Coinsquare.io. It is built by Canadians, for Canadians. It is Canada's leading digital asset exchange for trading these digital assets. And uh, they have top-of-the-line security, same technology that the New York Stock Exchange is built on. They have never lost a single coin or a customer asset. It is an entirely Canadian infrastructure. Any risk involved in sending money overseas is eliminated and their support is best in class. If this is interesting to you, it takes more than a minute to explain. So go to their website, coinsquare.io, and you can get involved in this thing that uh, I could have made $400,000 off of if I had listened to Rich. Let's talk about the media's coverage of Bill 62. I would like to say that it is a garbage fire of a piece of legislation. I mean, setting aside that sort of visceral reaction about 
politicians wanting to legislate about what a few dozen women uh, in Quebec and attempting to couch this in some sort of neutral language. Let's just put the, the sort of the Islam part of this to the side. It's just poorly written. It's a bad bill. Like, what does it even mean? How are you going to apply this? What does this even look like? How is this going to shake out? One of the very early criticisms was this sounds like something that is going to rest on the public to enforce. It's going to promote a vigilantism, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in, in the public sphere. Is that something that Quebec politicians really think is showing leadership? I don't, I don't understand it. I mean, I understand it, but I also don't understand it. It's pretty hard to explain. I mean, yeah. imagine explaining this to an outsider and like like uh, explaining this to a non-Canadian like, well, this is actually the lesser of all evils. Like mm-hmm. there was a worse bill that this was like, no, no, we're not going to do that. We'll do this instead. Right. And then explain, well, it's actually not a real bill. Like it's not going to survive a challenge mm-hmm. and it's sort of unenforceable, but he kind of had to do it. It as a sop to the base right. of secularists, and like, what but wonder, it's not really secular. And, no, yeah. it's not. And what I always wonder with this because it triggers the, like the same debate again and again, and the rest of Canada's like, boy, isn't Quebec racist? And you know, well, we have our problems too. Mm-hmm. Aren't the base, the Quebec secularists, who are so in favor of this, like, what do they feel like about being pandered to? with a bill that just like isn't going to have any practical impact? Like, I, I feel like that's the kind of thing I never understand. Is like, are they that? I don't know, dumb or easily appeased that like that this is like something for them. Like, what does it give them? The thing is, I mean, I know a lot of people who are, you know, I think it's fair to describe them as secular people. And the idea that secularism goes hand in hand with this kind of dumbness is really quite surprising. I mean, there are, there are a lot of people who will say, well, you can be, you know, one way of being secular is to also be plural. Pluralism mm-hmm. is also and can be secularism. The problem with this bill is that you know, and the language of it doesn't ban religious expression in the public sphere, except for a very specific type of religious expression. So then how do you move forward with that and say, well, this isn't about targeting a particular demographic or a particular religious expression. It's about religious expression in general, but it isn't. And as far as secularists go, yeah, I'd be interested in hearing an answer to that question. Like, do you feel like you're being talked to, like you're too dumb to understand what's going on here? Yeah. Um, the, the other side of that response also could be, well, it doesn't go far enough. I, I think it's one of those things that, you know, they know how it's going to read. They know what they're trying to signal. They know what position they're trying to stake out. And it doesn't seem like anything more interesting than pandering. And also, who's satisfied? Like, who does this satisfy? Who's it good for? And I think, you know, I know who it hurts most, which is, as you say, like, you know, vigilante is like, we see the biggest expression of that when somebody is getting harassed on a bus and then somebody else whips out their phone and we can actually see horrible racism. And that's going to happen because Mm -hmm. of this. But it also is just something that's visited psychologically on young women and, you know, going out and being like, we we don't know the number, but it is like. I've seen 70 bandied about. I don't know what that. Yeah, neither do I. Like, you really are just like, we just keep putting more. More and more weight yeah. on a very small number yeah, yeah, of yeah. individuals who like are just these symbolic humans at this point. Well, then also this, you know, the, the comments made yesterday by the minister that they'd only have to show their face when interacting with the official, like when you would borrow a book from the library. And I'm like, so nobody does online borrowing anymore. Like, I mean, it doesn't even make sense. Yeah, you know, there are, there are people engage in these activities anonymously or not in person all the time. So then what does this even mean? So you flash your face with a bus driver and then you cover up and go sit down 
And that's the end of that interaction. There's no sort of, you know, tentacles from that. It's an odd No, it's true. It's true. We have anonymous faceless interactions all the time. You know, what's so funny about this is that it's like this rationalist secularist assault on religious symbolism, but it's a completely symbolic fight. The whole thing is just this shadow boxing of signs and signals that has no practical. And the symbols extend to the media. I think that that, that it's not just Quebecers who are being treated as stupid. You know, the art, the pictures that accompany the articles are pictures of women in niqabs and burqas from like file photos from other countries. It's like, oh, who cares? Somebody, you know, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah. They don't have to be one in Quebec. We can't right. really, there's so few of them we can Yeah, like if you can't find them, like is that really a problem for you then? Yeah, I mean, everything's just ref- like, it's an occasion for Barbara Kay to stir up, oh, you know, like, what does this mean? She goes, oh, I, then I know I'm talking to a human and not a thing. Right, That Thanks. was her tweet. Yeah. Thanks. And I know that she's referring to, she's like, no, Orthodox Islam makes them a thing yeah. by putting the veil on no, them. No, it doesn't. And I don't think that that's... Yeah, I don't think they see themselves as things. No, uh, I think that that's just something that she is calling them yeah, here. Absolutely. And then, yeah, just the lack of, like, we don't know the number. People are banding about 50, 70. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we have not figured out what how yeah. to talk about this or... And fundamentally, isn't this just about kicking the least powerful among you to appease the more powerful among you? Like, this is nothing except that. And then the other part of this that really pisses me off is that these same folks that are going to support this are the same people who five years down the line are going to say, see, they're not integrating. Yeah. Well, you know, what do you expect if you're going to pit people against each other and you're going to tell people you need to pick? Is it me or your religious belief? I can guarantee you that even if they aren't that religious, they're going to pick the religious belief only because they resent being put in that position of being forced and coerced into picking. This happens all the time. You can threaten someone and people will lobby around them because they don't want, you know, they want to show their support. They may disagree with that person or they may not agree with the issue or whatever, but you can't coerce people and expect people to kind of be open and and willing to to engage. It doesn't work that way. No, this is true. And this is sort of, I think that the story of Quebec in ways. And like, I, I try to see things from different viewpoints and I, I live there. Like, I feel like I get why they want to protect their culture. Like oh, they, I get they, it. They have a yeah. special, like they do. And they look at, I think what happens to cultures that just get completely, you know, diluted and people get estranged. They don't know their own yeah. history. Like they have a culture, they have a history, they have yeah. a songbook, they have a, they have a cuisine. Like they, like yeah. it's rich, it's real. And they want, you know, in this kind of like classic European nation state, like I get why you want to hold on to it. But the forces that are, threatening that are not what these yeah bills. the threats aren't what they think they and, are and in fact it's it's this kind of stuff yeah. that actually yeah is the biggest danger but that's also part of the problem this idea that you know um and and i have to say i also get where it's coming from i mean i, I don't i mean i understand sort of the the history of this moment a bit of how we have arrived here but also this pushback that basically says well you don't understand what's happening here yeah that we have a special circumstance and it's like mm, not really i mean like you can't both attract and appeal to demographics that are french speaking no and they wonder and, why people come through and then leave immediately yeah and then you know? and then call them in and then but also say check all of your self at the yeah. door and just bring in your french Perhaps there's something bracing and honest about just how overt it is. I mean, you know, they are legislating cultural supremacy, you yeah. know, like kind of overtly, which is sort of uh, happening throughout Canada, but in a less, like, you know, in Quebec, they're willing to say, no, yeah. us first, our thing first, you're, you know. In English Canada, it's a lot more genteel. Yes. While we're talking about media dumping on Islam, there's this story of uh, a Toronto imam, Ayman El Kasrawi who, it was widely reported, 
by the Toronto Star, Toronto Sun, CBC, Canadian Jewish News, was caught on videotape preaching hatred against Jews, preaching what sounded very much like a call to murder Jews. And this imam lost his job, his reputation, as a result of this reporting. But the Toronto Star, one of the same organizations that originally reported this hate spewing from this imam, has now come out with a uh, cover story this past weekend about how the translation of that hate speech, of that uh, sermonizing and, and praying that seemed to be calling for the death of the Jews, was doctored to some extent, that the editing of it uh, misrepresented the sequence of things that were stated, and the translation misrepresented the actual content. And the star got, was it four or five independent translators to look at the original translation? And what they found was that what this imam said is not itself unproblematic, but what you saw in the video is not what he said. What you saw in the video was him essentially saying, first there's this piece of like death to the infidel kind of stuff, the unbelievers must be killed, which like Judaism has that. Like we have a passage that calls for death of unbelievers. And I've sat there in synagogue just reading in Hebrew and then I look at the English translation, I'm like, oh, what did I just say? You know, but like we have that in there. And I suppose if you clip that little part and then put it up against something else, uh, you might draw conclusions that those things are related. And that's what happened. That part was put next to a part where he was calling for what the translation said was um, that the filth of the Jews be removed from the Al-Aqsa Mosque in Israel. And all of these independent translators said, no, that's not what he said. He said the, the desecration of the mosque by the Jews needs to stop. And this happened right after there had been Israeli police cracking down and, and violence at the mosque. So it's understandable why an imam would not want that to happen in a place of worship. The, the problematic part is that he said the Jews and not Israeli police, which isn't cool, but you know, it's different than what was reported. And I've certainly heard a lot of Jewish people uh, slip into saying when they mean to say Palestinian militants or Hamas, just say the Arabs or Muslims. I've, I've heard that, you know, so I'm not saying that this guy, you know, everything is totally okay with this, but the repercussions of this through the media um, were pretty consequential. And he seemed like, to this idea, like we found one, we like, we, we should be on the lookout for that kind of speech. We should be trying to find the next terrorist act before it happens through what, what at, at what mosque is hatred being preached. I don't think that that's this mosque. You know, right, I right. don't think that that's what was happening. It yeah. looks pretty conclusive that that is not what was happening. Yeah, I mean, so the first thing is uh, he wasn't caught on tape. I mean, this was a video that the mosque makes and yeah, posts fair, on, right. on YouTube. So he knew he was being filmed. I just want to say that first, that piece is, I, I think, a master class in solid reporting. Jennifer Yang, who's the reporter, she did a phenomenal piece, I think, handling an, a story that is complicated, complex, it's nuanced. You're having to sort of go back and retrace steps that people think they've already stepped through, which is not always an easy thing to do. Um, shed light on, illuminate, explain, all of those things. And it was, it's a great piece, so people should read it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is a challenging thing, right? And that mosque was also then the site of all of those anti-Muslim protesters. Who in response to these In stories. response to, and just so that people have a sense of what that is, that isn't picketing the mosque from across the street or down the street or making comments at, you know, up the block. This was people yelling and screaming 
as children were going in and out of this mosque, yeah. holding signs about how terrible and terrifying Muslims are. And like all explicit kind of anti-Muslim it signs. It was explicit, and kids are being exposed to this stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, where there's hate, there's also other kinds of hate too. The thing that I would say about that story is it doesn't absolve anyone of anything, which I think is an important point, because I think that there is a lot for people to learn about how to speak to one another, right? And you could say, well, it was the passion of supplication. It was it was a response to a particular event that unfolded or a particular series of events that was unfolding in Palestine um, at the Al-Aqsa Mosque. You could say all of those things, and all of those things are fair for context. But I think it's also important for people to be able to speak precisely about mm-hmm. what they mean, right? Especially, I think, now, where everything can be made to look like anything. And so when somebody means Israel, they should say Israel. They yes. shouldn't, shouldn't say the Jews. Um, and when somebody means Palestinian militants, they should say Palestinian militants and they shouldn't say Muslims. To me, that's kind of been a lesson in all of this, right? That oftentimes we end up taking shortcuts in the things that we say and our communities know what we mean, but in Throw it on the internet. Throw it on the internet. And, And the problem is, of course, is that now there's so much of this other stuff going on that it does lead to these kinds of really terrible anti-Muslim rallies at mosques where children are trying to go in and come out of, right? Yeah, I think I think your point about the precision of communication is important here. And that's actually what this imam has since said. Like, he, he is very contrite and has gone in, you know, Bernie Farber, mm-hmm. uh, who's uh, a Jewish leader, has sort of taken him to Beth Tzedek, my old synagogue, and, and, and the rabbis there. Like, he's gone through this, like, let's teach you about anti-Semitism. Yeah, yeah. And his communication to them is like, Tell me how to say what I'm trying to say right, and right. not what I'm not trying to say. And that's the other thing that people, I think, don't really understand, that when this imam, and imam is not a, it's, it's, people like to think that these are certified positions. They're not. I mean, these He's are- He's kind certified. of a volunteer, like this it's isn't a, his full-time sort of gig. A, yeah, I, you know, so much of the language we use around religious titles, they're sort of Christian-based. Yeah. They mean something different. But in any case, um, people come here with all kinds of, understandings and ideas. And it does take time to figure out how to talk Canadian. It takes time, right? And so that's one of the challenges that all kinds of immigrant communities, for example, face. You have people in the community who are speaking about things in a way that are relevant from where you're coming from, but they sound off and are open to misinterpretation because that's not the context here. Yeah. Um, And so maybe if he had said the Jews, uh, in Egypt, I think he's Egyptian, maybe people would have understood what he meant when talking in that term. But here, the Jews means the Jews. You can't talk like that. That's what I'm trying to say, is that you have to be more precise in the way that you use language. Yeah. Look, I think there's lots of... Uh, I don't care. Necessarily, like uh, Egypt could use a little bit of that finer point as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I'm, I'm not an apologist for people who want to paint with the same brush on either side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that, that it is about either side, because it's great that he's now trying to find out how to communicate more clearly. Mm-hmm. But we're in the media in the business of communication. Yeah. And I think that there's a further lesson in this because that very intentionally manipulated version that was widely reported was put together by a guy named Jonathan Dahoa Halevi, 
who is a retired lieutenant colonel in the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, mm-hmm. who's sort of a firebrand partisan warrior right. for a hawkish militant Israeli um, perspective. He's a former Sun News television contributor. He did this translation. It seems there was a lot of intentionality in trying to make it oh, seem yeah. like one thing. And nobody asked any questions about nobody. it. Nobody. People just, just it took up. it up. And you know, it was like about three or four days before that story came out. I don't know who was the first one to print that story. But all I remember is that several days before the story actually came into the media, I had these sort of right-wing trolls tweeting that story at me. Like, not a written story, but like, did you hear what happened at the mosque? And I'm like, "Uh, no, I have no idea. Like, this hadn't been reported. I don't go to that mosque, you know. And it was interesting that it was already picking up steam long before it picked up steam, right? It was already being circulated. And my thing is, you know, whenever someone tells me something, my first question is, what are you selling? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of my response. And so when I started seeing it from particular sources, I was like, hmm, what are they selling? OK, so this is something that I want to I want to focus on here, because, you know, I know what right wing trolls are selling. They're looking for instances yeah. of uh, Muslim hate speech mm-hmm. to prove their points. And I worry about whether or not they found common cause with people in the Jewish community or in the press who we conflate like we should be on the lookout for hate speech oh, that course. could lead to violence but do we want to find it yeah what would we prefer would i prefer as a jew in canada to find more examples of this happening because i don't actually have many examples like of that happening and resulting in terrorist activity we need to be vigilant about this and we need to work with the muslim community on this but do i want to find that and i think that that that, that wouldn't have gotten reported i will say the answer is yes I think the media wants to find those examples. The Venn diagrams also of these alliances. I mean, the Venn diagrams are endless. I would rather there be less anti-Jewish hate speech. I would rather there not be Muslims who want to kill every Jew, Mm -hmm. right? So when when this happened, you know, uh, Trafe podcast, the progressive Jewish podcast, we had those guys on the show. They were were online shaming the Jewish establishment, B'nai B'rith and and whatnot, for their response to this, for kind of embracing this as the truth, that this guy is a radical hate-spewing imam. I think that uh, it's not necessarily so fair because they're going on these media reports the first response, like the media has to get, and this is also a diversity thing. If you have people who speak Arabic in the newsroom, then you can get yeah. your own translation and check this stuff. Yeah. So, you, you know, you don't get the Sun News commentator guy's translation and just accept that as gospel. Mm-hmm. But B'nai B'rith is still digging down in their heels and saying, no, we're satisfied that these distinctions you're pointing out are not important. The translation is good enough. And we think this guy's a hate spewing imam. I'm like, why do you want that to be the way it is? You well, know, I like, mean, why, you know, why is that the preference? It's a hard thing to say whenever there's an advocacy group Um, advocating for any particular thing or representing any particular group. What is your investment? Um, And this isn't specifically about the B'nai B'rith. I mean, this is about any of the groups that have these types of advocacy. I would say the same thing about a a Muslim advocacy group, right? I mean, somebody could say, well, we're we're simply illustrating, right? Like if if you're counting hate crimes, for example. Is it in your interest to broadly define hate crimes or is it in your, in your interest to narrowly define hate crimes? Yeah. And I'm not casting aspersions on people who do this work. I think it's important work. I don't think I could do it. You know, I think it would just eat me alive, really. I think it's it's hard work to get through. But people are coming from particular points of view and it's in their interest to make sure that that item that they are advocating for stays on the table, 
right? I mean, one of the funny things I find funny sad is the competition between who faces more hate. Is it Jews or Muslims? Yeah. You know, who's the target? Is is anti-Semitism worse than Islamophobia? Or is Islamophobia gaining ground on anti-Semitism? And I'm like, duh, like, why do we want to have this competition? But I'm not stupid, right? I mean, yeah. I've been around long enough to know that, number one, yes, these things need to be counted, named, shamed, all of that sort of stuff. But and that, there is a competition. And it, there is a competition, yeah. though. There is an element of competition. There is an element in some places of who has it worse. Yeah. Um, who's the greater victim here? Jewish community, we're, we're, we're our own victims if we double down on that. I'm not even saying like we need to be nicer. We need to be like, no, like it, it. if you want things to be like, we're the more aggrieved and here's why. Ultimately, like it ain't good for us either. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I you know, I when Muslim people say that this is a problem that hate crimes, yes, yes, they are. They absolutely are. And then what? Like, there's there has to be multiple conversations happening. Like, yes, you need to track these numbers. Yes, you need to to know what's happening and and who's safe and who's not safe and how to make better policy and all those those things. But sometimes I feel like the conversations end at we're being victimized. Yeah. And then I hear my own privilege and then I think, okay, shut up. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. Let's thank our second sponsor today. I've learned that I can't accept all the perks that get sent to us when we start working with a new sponsor. I have to, I have to let my colleagues have stuff. And the Thursday Boot Company sent boots, and I wanted them, but Corey Marr got them, and they look really handsome. They're fine boots, and I wish I had a pair instead. And winter is coming. We all could use a pair of boots. I might actually have to buy a pair of boots from Thursday Boot Company. Uh, this season, you're going to want to get a high-quality pair of boots at an honest price, and this is the way to do it. Thursday Boot Company is a brand 
that I think you'll want to know about. I think you'll want to have a look at their site. They have bootstrapped, haha, their own e-commerce brand in October 2014. They started this company themselves. Their boots are beautiful, handcrafted products. They make them in the same North American manufacturing facility as uh, the old brands that your parents or grandparents wore, boots that are still being sold, but for like two or three times the price. They use better materials than most of the stuff on the market. These boots have been featured in Esquire, GQ, OK Style, Weight Watchers, and Page Six for some reason. You know what? Forget Page Six. Go to their website and have a look on their website at their boots, thursdayboots.com. And because you're listening to this podcast, you will get free shipping. And the offer code for that is free ship today. The number two, free ship today at thursdayboots.com. And you will have your boots in two days. Thursday Boot Company, your new boots are two days away. Free ship today. Now, Heed, we duly note things on the show, as you know. We do. It's fun. I want to first duly note that this Me Too initiative is making life really difficult in lots of ways. I think it's making for people who uh, have experienced sexual assault or abuse of any kind of harassment, like they like, it's just relentless. You just have to read these personal accounts every day. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good that it's happening. And I think it's hard. And it's just coming from every sector that men are being identified. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I, the fact that people are saying, there's no reason for me to be silent about this thing is good, but it's hard. And it's hard in Quebec because, you know, speaking of Quebec, I don't know if this is part of the secularization, but there was a a very 60s era embrace of free love. I don't know. I don't know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. Like, it just seems like <laughs> when they got rid of Catholicism, they got rid of it hard and it became a hypersexualized culture. But it's just too simple to say sexualized. It was sexualized at a certain kind of moment where the sexual revolution that was really good for dudes. Mm -hmm. And now those dudes are like 60 and 70 and they're running all these organizations Mm -hmm. and they don't know how to behave. Like it's turning out that they have been having, behaving really poorly. And this is like, I'm not, I don't know. I, uh, am I, am I'm going to get hell for like un, unfairly targeting Quebec here. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally targeting Quebec. I totally think that there's much more of a laissez-faire, sans-cassette, way less corporate, way more skeezy atmosphere in a lot of these organizations. So we've got like three big figures coming down. Mm-hmm. Rosan at Just for Laughs is just one of them, two other guys in the media. And I don't know, like, what's who's going to be left? Like, all I heard was stories when I lived there about every dude yeah. <laughs> ran an organization. You know? Well, you know, I mean, the thing is, they totally know what to do, but they're doing the other thing anyway. I mean, you totally know that when you work with women, that's a whole other thing than dating someone or being romantically involved with someone. So this idea that there's something about the culture or there's something about some sort of tacit permission that men have that leads them to think that it's okay to assault women. Yeah. You know, I think that that is a cop-out. First of all, I don't think it's anything particular about Quebec. I mean, maybe the publicness of it may be something different. I don't know. I saw something on, on TV about... You know, we we identify this a lot with those sort of Italian chat shows where people are really sort of sexual and they do all kinds of things. I've never lived in Quebec. I can't really speak to what it's like there culturally. But I will say that, you know, there's all kinds of inappropriate behavior that I see in this part of Canada as well. I just think it's it's this idea that powerful men get away with shit. 
They yeah. just do. And no, I, it doesn't really, everywhere. it doesn't matter what language you speak. Powerful men get away with shit all the time. No, you're right. And, and I, the I, repercussions of that are determined by the culture to some extent, like whether it gets excused or, you know, and the cult- culture of the industry that you're in. But are we really surprised that powerful men have been taking advantage of their position to basically coerce women into particular kinds of situations? I'm not surprised. I guess it's not surprising. The extent of it is like it, it just keeps coming. So I think there's, there's yeah, that aspect I, to it for yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, the extent of it doesn't surprise me either. I, I, I know already, and, and it's perhaps deserved. Like uh, it's not a single Quebec out. I think that I, I you know cited the '60s in a way that I'm now like, oh, that's what Weinstein said. Ah, what <laughs> I just, uh, I, I, I'm just trying to somehow like, does this have anything to do with what I experienced when I was there? And there is a difference in workplaces there. It, it was way more familiar and mm. way more. The lines between partying and working were way more blurred. There was definitely like a lot of places, especially in the cultural sector, where you'd have some kind of like peacock kind of a charismatic dude running the place. Like the, it was not as corporate, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it felt like some of that was just like pleasant because people were less tight assed and, right. and it was just more familiar and friendly. Mm-hmm. But it, when I started seeing this stuff happen, I'm like, oh, wow, the Weinstein effect in Quebec. This is going to run deep. You know? Well, I hope it does. And I hope that a lot of those people get rooted out. And I hope that there's some lessons learned outside of just, you know, women hate men. So I will say this to counterbalance all of the things that are annoying Quebecers today. This is where their tawdry tabloid press is wonderful. Mm. They are not going to stand on ceremony and protect any of these guys. It's all going to come out, and that's a good thing. Duly noted. What do you got? Uh, Bill Morneau. Bill Morneau. Yes. Um, You know, aside from all of the things that are happening around Mr. No Blind Trust, the comments on the media... The process we have in our country isn't that I report to journalists on my personal situation. It's that I report to the ethics commissioner. You know, if he really doesn't understand the connection between his business dealings and how those business dealings may intersect with his political obligations to the Canadian public, I could probably find a smart and kind seventh grader to explain it to him. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm coming from. The on public. This. As represented by journalists, I don't report to journalists, a.k.a. the public. You know what? I'm a simple guy. I don't understand all this fancy tax policy stuff, and I'm no crisis PR manager. But if I were trotting out tax reforms that were geared towards ending the practice of misusing corporatization as a shelter for rich people to stop cheating their taxes, and then somebody found out that I was doing something kind of like that with my vast wealth and my many numbered companies and places that I don't live, I might not respond with, I don't answer to you, reporter. That might not be my A plan. Well, unless, of course, you think that you're the one good guy in all of this, right? (laughs) It's amazing to me that you can be that naive about what your public persona is coming off as. Like, I'm sure there are advisors and comms people and PR people. And one of the questions that always comes up for me as a journalist is, is there nobody advising him? Like, does he get no media training? It's actually quite unbelievable to me that he would come back with this and say that I don't report to you or that it's none of your business. Like, you're a minister. You're not some unknown backbencher. You're a minister. Like a lifetime of entitlement and arrogance uh, can only be ameliorated by so much media training. Possibly, possibly. Uh, Duly noted. While we're talking about conflicts of interest, perceived or actual, why don't I talk a little bit about Casper Mattress? I don't know if you happen to read this kind of amazing article in Fast Company about 
Casper mattresses and the mattress reviewing business? Did you have No, I saw, uh, I just see ads as um, Casper mattress will change my life. And I'm determined to at some point figure out how this can be. But uh, please enlighten me. All right. Well, this is an, an unsponsored message. And I have to tell you, I never thought I would be talking about Casper Mattress as part of the editorial content of the show. In fact, that's kind of how we do ads. Like when we decided to do ads after hitting crowdfunding, I, I had a public conversation with the people who, who pay for the show. And I said, look, we, we could use the extra revenue. Should we do ads? What do you think? I'll do what you guys say. And the overwhelming consensus was, yeah, you can do it within reason, but mm-hmm. don't take money from anyone you cover. As a show that covers the Canadian media, what's a safe advertiser? A mattress company? An American mattress company. (laughs) I can't think of anything further from my beat. Well, thanks a lot. Because it turns out that there is a media story, and it's a good one, about Casper Mattresses. Uh, Not a Canadian media story, but everyone should go read this bonkers uh, story in Fast Company. And it's not really about the mattress. It's about the mattress reviewing racket. At first, it looks like it's going to be a story about somebody giving another mattress a better review and Casper coming down hard and trying to like censor this blogger who won't give them a good review. But then it turns out that the reviewers are getting kickbacks and not just kickbacks. Like they're making like six, seven figures. And the whole business of reviewing mattress is like kind of a dirty thing between mattress companies paying people. Like there's no uh, honesty or integrity in the mattress media. There's a bedfellows joke in there somewhere. There's a bedfellows joke. So when this happened, I got inundated with a lot of people who associate Casper mattresses with the show because they are a sponsor of ours. And I endorse Casper mattresses. They actually don't require me to endorse it. They require me to like have a positive personal anecdote. It doesn't have to be an endorsement. I will endorse them because I sleep on a Casper mattress and it's a really good mattress. But what they also used to put in the talking points was it's the best reviewed mattress on the internet. I can't say that anymore. Like, I'm not going to say that because there I feel like for sure I'm representing something that is like not kosher. But but I don't know what to do, Nahid. Mm-hmm. Um, people are saying like, it's going to affect my conception of you and your testimony and your credibility if you endorse Casper mattresses. And we had this discussion around the ups, like, but I still do. Like, I'm not endorsing the Casper mattress reviews. It's a cheap mattress that's really good. I can still say that. And I believe that. And that I don't feel like I'm, but, you know, well, are you now associated with a brand that, you know, so we asked Casper, like, look, we, we, we have to talk about this on the show. And they said, no problem. Go ahead and talk mm-hmm. about it on the show. And, um, you know, they said, we hope that you, you guys will still carry our ads. And I don't know. Like, I want to direct this specifically at the people who fund this show because those are the people who, like, you know, they, they, they want us to do well and have revenue to pay right. our employees and make our content. I want to hear from you. Should we continue to run Casper ads? I don't have to say that part about the reviews. They said, yeah, you can drop that and just talk about the part that I actually know about, which is... You know, it's a nice, nice, nice mattress. Everybody needs a mattress. Email me at jesse at canadalandshow.com. What do you think? Should I still read ads from Casper? It'll be up to you. Or what you could do is every morning when you come into work, you could make a public statement about whether you had a good night's sleep or not. And so like kind of review it on a daily basis. And that would be like super accountable. Or call them and leave a message. I had a shitty sleep last night. Yeah. Your mattress sucks. And then the next day, I had a great sleep. Thank you. And then everybody could go and look at the data. They could look at the data. Cold hard data. Basically graph it, plot it, stick it on the Twitter. I think you'd be good. I think what I'm taking from your feedback on this is that this is incredibly important. Perhaps more so than I've made it out to be. I think it's also more important than your entire show. I think this is the issue. This is the issue. Can you say duly noted? Duly noted. Okay. So uh, 
free speech on the campuses of Canadian universities. I love it. It's something that a lot of proud Canadians have been really, really concerned about. These are free speech warriors. It's not about the content of the speech. It's the, it's our right to free speech that Jordan Peterson has been fighting for, that Faith Goldie has been fighting for. They get called right-wing trolls. They just want our campuses to be places of free, free speech and free exchange, which is why they are rushing to the defense of Masuma Khan at Dalhousie University. Any day now, that's going to happen. They are mm -hmm. going to rush to her defense. I'm waiting for all of those free speech advocates. They're, it's going to happen. They're not just advocates. They're purists. Yes. They are free speech purists. End scene. That was satire. Nobody from the free speech right has, as far as I know, made a peep in defense of Masuma Khan. Nahid, what did Masuma Khan say that's gotten her in such trouble at Dalhousie? So Masuma Khan is a young student. I think she's 22 at Dalhousie, um, is part of the student government, and made some comments in the context of showing solidarity and support to Indigenous students uh, around the Canada 150. Mm -hmm. And basically did not want the university to participate in Canada 150 events and made some comments on, I think it was a Facebook post, uh, that basically talked about, what was it, uh, you know, F you all. Yeah, let's not sugarcoat it. At this point, yeah. fuck you all. I, have, I got it here. At this point, fuck you all, she said uh, in response to somebody else. I stand by the motion I put forward, an anti-Canada 150 motion. I stand by Indigenous students. Be proud of this country. For what? Over 400 years of genocide. And then she signed off with uh, hashtags unlearn 150. White fragility can kiss my ass. And your white tears aren't sacred. This land is. Okay. Um, That's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> Let us not engage with, uh, you know, I love the passion and verve of, of students who are yeah. entering the world of political oh, yeah, expression. Absolutely. The content of the message notwithstanding, I, I, I feel like this is just like an expression of political opinion. Absolutely. I honestly really, I mean, no, I'm not going to say I honestly don't understand what's happening here. I totally understand what's happening here. But if you're going to be honest then she's making political speech. I mean, you can have an issue perhaps with the way she did it. And I think she's gone on the record as saying that she regrets her tone or her choice of words or something like that, which is fine. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what growing up is about, right? You do things, you learn from them, you grow, you evolve, and hopefully that growing and evolving doesn't stop in your 20s. But the idea that somehow she should be sanctioned or there should be, there's now this... this and she has been. Yeah, she has been. And there's a process that's underway at the university. She's in violation to, of their of conduct, I believe they've said. Um, yes, according to the vice provost of student affairs, she's violated a provision of the code of student conduct that prohibits engaging in unwelcome or persistent conduct that makes another person feel demeaned, intimidated, or harassed. Right. Well, the thing is, this is part of that ongoing conversation at university campuses, but elsewhere as well. At what point are your feelings... And, and I'm talking feelings. I'm not talking about safety. I'm not talking about how we interpret feeling safe. Yeah. If it's hearing somebody say something that you don't like, is that the same thing as you feeling threatened or unsafe? Yeah, right? but that's the judo flip that's happening here is that a lot of that conduct policy around feelings and threatening stuff came from the left. And now conservatives on campus are like, oh, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. For sure. And let's flip this on this political radical, yeah. this anti-Canadian, anti-white woman, you know, and, and say, well, now she's making me feel unsafe here. Uh, so let's bring that sanction against her, which I should say has resulted and part of her growing up process now includes a, a inundation of violent threats of rape and death and encouragement for her to kill herself. Yeah, which is what ends up happening 
happening because people who respond to this are responding to this for reasons other than any kind of interest in free speech, right? It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. She should absolutely be allowed to, free to, state her political opinion. And I don't think she's saying anything controversial. How is what she's saying anything controversial? The idea that, you know, the Canada 150 celebrations, Indigenous people have been saying this for a very long time. You're celebrating something that signaled the end for us in many ways. And so I don't see how that's controversial. The idea that you're pushing back against her, I also want to say, and I think it's important to point out, she is a brown woman Mm -hmm. who wears a hijab. A lot of times these conversations end up happening and they intersect with this idea about who is allowed to actually have those opinions. Yeah. If she was a young white woman, would we have seen the same kind of anger? Maybe we would have, but I certainly think that there's an element of sort of, you know, there's a misogynistic aspect to this. There's an Islamophobic aspect to this. Um, she's been told in various ways to sort of be grateful for being here. She's born and raised in Halifax. This is the whole story to me. It's not about... F- free speech on campuses. It's not about... It's about who gets to belong. It's about what happens in the comments every time a young woman with brown skin speaks out in a unflinching way, holding Canada accountable, and there is a inundation. There is like, there's a... Like, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Who will say, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. Everything else to me is noise. Like, what are we going to do about that? Right. What are we going to do about that? Well, there, there is there is a widely held belief that she has no business, yeah. given who she is. Yeah. And given where she comes from or her parents come, we don't care. Yeah. And that this is more ours than hers. Mm-hmm. And she should shut the fuck up. I think at root that that's what this is. That's where the offense comes from. Like, how dare you tell us yeah. what we should and shouldn't be doing? You know, how dare you have an opinion on what we Canadians think? You know, and then, of course, that brings up the question, how long do you have to be here before you get to have an opinion? My family's working on its third generation. That's, yeah. that's fairly new compared to a lot of other families. But do my kids have the right to have an opinion? Do my parents who've been here more lo- more of their lives than they've been anywhere else? So this is the main part of this. It's part of the Quebec thing. It's part of this thing that this is fundamentally about who gets to participate and on what terms. Depends on their opinion. Hey, quick update. After we recorded that segment, the news broke that Dalhousie University withdrew its disciplinary action against Masuma Khan. Nahid, uh, that is your Candlelight Shortcuts. Thank you for helping me with it. Oh, thank you for having me. It was great fun. You can email me at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read everything that you send me. We are on Twitter at Canadaland. Nahid, where can people find you? At Nahid Mustafa. Like us on Facebook and our news stories will show up in your news feed. Our website is canadalandshow.com. Everybody, our crowdfunding site is at patreon.com slash canadaland. We are getting there. Come check it out. The show was produced by Kevin Sexton. Syndication of Canada Land. The show is offered for free to community and campus radio stations across this country, dozens of them. And that is handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at CFUV.ca. If you like what we do, please support us on Patreon. Thank you. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.